How much retention revenue do we are we realistically going to drive? How much uh, revenue from existing customers are we realistically going to drive? How much organic traffic are we realistically going to get? Um, what is actually realistic on the paid side? Like maybe we should ask those people uh, if, if what we're thinking is realistic or if it's like, you know, you're in la la land, right? It's like um, not as inspirational to come up with goals like that. It's way more fun to be like 22 million in 2022, but it's not the best way. It's, it's like you don't even know if that's possible. Hey, Modern Commerce, welcome back. Casey here with John. Uh, we're back at it again this week with a brand new topic. Today, we're going to be talking about whether or not your branding is hurting your brand's performance. Uh, kind of sounds like a strange topic, maybe, if you haven't thought about that before, but I'm guessing most of you have probably hit a point in your brand's journey where you have at least thought about it a little bit. Uh, before we dive into the topic, John, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks. It's a new, we, you know, it's uh we're right at the turn of the year. Always a good time. Good time to be in e-commerce. Good time to assess your goals, which is kind of what we're talking about today. Right. So to, to a degree um, to like kind of elaborate on your point a little bit. I, I think, you know, just to be clear, we're not talking about is your branding bad? Like, do you have bad branding and thus it's, it's hurting your sales uh, or hurting your performance. I mean, even if you have good branding, uh, is uh, wanting to be on brand all the time in your ads, in your emails, in all of your messaging all the time, is that actually hurting your capability to make sales? Like, are you losing out on sales because you're doing that? Casey, have you, do you think that we've seen this with certain brands? I think it's fair to say we've seen a little bit of this for sure. And I think as like agency people, we might be um, a little kind of anchored in the other position. Uh, as right. we're kind of framing this a little bit like branding versus performance. Um, and, you know, in a perfect world, they work cohesively together. Um, but as agency people, we're, we usually get paid on performance, right? So that's usually what we care about. And a lot of times we're talking to those like brand champions, those people who really have the uh, the brand image at heart and they're very branding focused. So they're very, yeah, they're very romantic about the brand. Exactly. Uh, and so, so I think that, uh, yeah, to caveat this whole thing, Casey and I are performance marketers, right? So I think it's like, uh, <clears throat> if you're a brand person, if you're a performance marketer, like I think uh, I, I've seen, I've actually seen somebody speak about this before. And like, uh, like he's like, you know, it was in a room and he kind of said like, Hey, like uh, someone who's been on the show, Nick Sharma. And he said like, Hey, you know, raise your hand. If you're like a performance marketer, or performance marketers raise their hands. Um, and he's like, like, don't, I mean, isn't it just like, how can branding people not care at all? Like what, kind of return on ad spend you're going to get or like what did they not realize that like that's what will keep the the brand in business I'm like yeah yeah okay haha and then he goes all right so like branding people in the room or people who are kind of like more brand oriented in-house designers in-house graphics people raise your hand like isn't it just crazy how like performance marketers like have no eye for what looks good like they don't care at all like they they literally can't see how bad something looks 
And that's actually pretty true of performance marketers a lot of the time is that like maybe, and, and, and maybe to give them the benefit of the doubt, they can see how bad it looks. They just don't care if it, it performs well. Um, but a lot of them like kind of lose that capability of seeing how good or bad something looks because they get into the mode of like, I just know what I think will grab people's attention. Um, so yeah, to your point, Casey, I think we have seen this. Um, sometimes I think it's really hard to quantify and say, yeah, there's some brands that have been more romantic about their brand and it's hurt their performance because it's not like we got to run the non-branded creatives. You know what I mean? Like we only got to run the branded stuff because that's what they, that it was their, it's their decision ultimately. Um, but, uh, I think that it's when you have a really tight, like all of our creatives on email, on ads, on everywhere has to look like this. It has to be right in line with this mood board. I think that what, you know, something you said before we started talking that I agree with is like, I'm not saying that we would come up with something that would outperform that, you know, it's like, Hey, this ugly one versus that one, let's go head ahead. And this ugly one wins. I'm not actually saying that that's the case. I'm just saying when your creative capability running ads, for example, is within here and here, and that's versus the field, right? Like the whole, you know, spectrum of what kind of ads you can run. Like I'll take the field. Like there's probably something out there that's going to outperform what's between here and here. Um, but you know, you want to just go with whatever will perform best between there and there. So I do think that if that's where you are, if you're like, Hey, we're very tight and we're very like, all of our creatives must be within this box. Um, yeah, you probably are in a position where uh, if you, you know, opened up a little bit, like there's probably some kind of creative out there that someone would run, maybe a performance marketer that would give you a better ROI. Yeah, I mean, we, we've brought it up a few times on a few different episodes, the power of having that real brand champion and how essential they can be to the success of a, of a brand. Uh, but yeah, today, I guess we're, we're kind of talking out of the other side of our mouths as well, a little bit where it's like, if that brand champion, if they really narrow, narrow, narrow in on just like, you know, we really only want this, you know, yeah, you're leaving so many other options on the table. It's like, what are the odds you've just nailed it completely? And some other combination of factors isn't going to outperform just the, the most narrow view you might have. Um, it seems unlikely to me. Uh, but I kind of want to, I kind of want to steer this here a little bit into uh, these bullet points I have laid out, if you'll indulge me here. Yeah, yeah. So whether it's an internal team member or external team member, let's just pretend we could pretend that these are two internal team members if we wanted to, just so that there's not that weird uh, agency to brand dynamic of the, the brand ultimately gets the final choice. Let's just assume you have two like internal team members. Who, one is more performance focused. One is more uh, branding focused what are the benefits of each person's mindset? What, what, what are the good things? And we could even go into like, what are the drawbacks, I guess, too. But what, what are the benefits of having each kind of those minds working together on your, working on their own on your brand, I guess, first, before we try to mash them up? Yeah. Okay. So uh, on the branding side, I think that you are building the intangibles that ultimately make the Coca-Colas and the apples of the world, the Coca-Colas and the apples of the world. Now, you know, whether your brand actually legitimately could become a Coca-Cola or apple of the world, you know, maybe, maybe not, but they, you know, so you're, you're kind of following the footsteps of like, you're, you're thinking a little bigger maybe than the performance marketer. Visionary, um, if you will. You're a little more visionary and 
And ultimately, I mean, maybe it could mean that it's a better target for an acquisition. I mean, maybe not. I think they look pretty deeply into the numbers, but if the numbers are still good, you know, it's a better target for acquisition. Um, if you're moving into retail, like maybe it actually is better for your retail sales uh, to have like really strong visual like branding all across the whole brand, right? In your creatives, everything that they see online uh, matches what they're going to go into the store and see, like they will recognize it. You know what I mean? And that makes uh, sense, right? Because you, yeah. you can't retarget somebody in physical locations as well. Right. Maybe you can a little bit, but not in the same way how you can just retarget somebody with ads who you know has hit your pixel on your website. Right. So it's like you're creating a, a, a like distinctive look and feel that like people will recognize. And if you're selling everywhere, um, that's, you know, that, that, that's valuable. Uh, I would say on the performance side, the, the quality that they have is that they're going to be more concerned with like the, the, the metrics that drive the engine that drives the business. You know what I mean? Um, like cash profit, stuff like that. Um, I think that, you know, so if you're a brand that maybe has the luxury, I won't call it a luxury, it's hard work, uh, has a lot of retail distribution, you know, and you, and you do a ton of sales through retail, you do a ton of sales on marketplaces like Amazon and stuff like that. Um, and, and DTC is pretty secondary or tertiary to you. Then I think that that brand person might be like, you definitely want to skew if you have those two people, you, we want to skew toward brand a little bit. And then you want the performance person to kind of overlay their touches on the brand, right? On the, on the brand creatives. Because ultimately what's probably most important is recognition, right? Um, for your brand as a whole. Now, if you're on the other end and like DT, not a huge DTC presence or not a huge retail presence, not a huge distribution presence across other sites or networks, it's like mainly DTC has to drive it. Uh, then really, yeah, I mean, like you, you have to run ads, run emails, you have to run creative, put it in front of people and get them to buy things. You have to profitably get people to pay for your product, right? A little alliteration there. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, that performance marketer is going to come into play there and they're going to be, that's how they're going to think. Right. And so that's where maybe we skew more toward, you know, what the performance marketer would do creatively. And then the brand person comes in and overlays their touches on it. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense to me. We've had uh, clients of all different shapes and sizes and all different kinds of verticals and markets and all different kinds of things. Um, that performance person, I mean, it's usually us. I mean, there's usually nobody more concerned with performance than us. Yeah. On the uh, with the, side, yeah. yeah. With the caveat of sometimes, you know, whether it's a brand <laughs> owner or, uh, you know, a, a manager of the brand, uh, sometimes they share the exact same view as us. And I've found the most, uh, the most common time that happens is when they're, concerned with keeping the lights on you know like i said we don't we don't always have these blockbuster clients that just you know take off and like a rocket or they're already they already have a ton of success when they come to us some brands you know especially maybe a few years ago and in, in in our more humble agency days you know we've had some clients where they're like guys i'm in trouble and i need your help like yeah, <laughs> you right. know uh, yeah that happens and those guys I've seen be the least concerned as you could possibly be about branding. They're like, whatever will work, please do it. Like, yeah. So. Yeah. And that's, that's it. If it's just pure dollars and cents and all you do to drive sales is DTC. Now we've, we've had a few instances. I can think of one in particular where a, the, a very big misstep in this situation is if your situation is that like, you need to just be like fully concerned with performance and then you over-concern yourself with brand, 
at the detriment of performance, then yeah, the lights are going to be off pretty soon. Yeah. Um, on the other end, on the other end, I think, you know, probably the same thing is true, right? Like if, if Coca-Cola or Apple started running like these just like really heavy DR ads, you know, that like just weren't on for them. I think that it might be damaging in a sense, right? Yeah. Um, Especially to a marketing mind. I think we would read that as kind of like desperate, really. Like, but even to like, yeah, I think the masses might. Yeah, exactly. Even civilians would be like, yeah. you know, you know, not to use that term lightly, but yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> not so, in the marketing so that's, industry. That's, that's where the balance is. It all depends on what your brand's position is, what, you know, you know, you gotta, I mean, the biggest thing that we always find in, in marketing for e-commerce or any physical products is like, you got to throw fuel on the fire that's already burning. Right. And so but the fire that's already burning is, is retail and just like omni-channel sales presence, then you got to throw fuel on that fire and just drive lots of recognition and, and see that DTC revenue is secondary. And if the fire that's burning is that you get a really strong DTC sales and like you're very able to with copywriting and direct response uh, advertising, able to drive lots of sales and lots of customers, um, then you got to throw fuel on that fire. So we kind of already bled into my second bullet point here. Um, so I'll just kind of ask if you have anything to add to this. Uh, the second bullet point I had is when to focus on which, like maybe when to, to steer a little bit more towards branding, when to steer a little bit more towards uh, performance. We definitely have already touched on that, that quite a bit. So but maybe let me hit on like a couple like guiding questions. Um, so, uh, question number one would be, so, so typically like, I mean, this is a good time to talk about this. Usually we're setting goals this time of year, setting brand goals for our, our company, our brand, <clears throat> setting goals for ourselves, whatever. Um, and a lot of times those are pretty arbitrary. Like we're just kind of like picking them out of uh, thin air, um, which is, it's fine to set goals, uh, that are, you know, we want to drive this much sales and, and blah, blah, blah. Or, or but, yeah, it could just be a formulaic thing, like 20% lift year over year kind of thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Right. But like, um, you, what you need to do is think through the contingencies. So I think what's really common and, and like, if I'm, I'm going to say this like this is we, I bet most brands watching this, you could probably tell, like, if I asked you like, yeah, like, uh, do you have an idea of what kind of sales you want to do in 2022? I'd be like, oh yeah, yep, I know. And I have, a, I have an idea. Okay, do you know about how much you want to like spend on advertising to do that? Yeah, yeah, I pretty much know. Like I have an idea. Um, okay, and then like, then on top of that, there's usually like some other initiatives. Like, um, you know, we want to like grow brand recognition might be one of them, or we want to uh, diversify our traffic. We're pretty heavily on Facebook or pretty heavily on Google or, um, you know, so we want to maybe diversify into some organic traffic or do I want to diversify into influencers or TikTok or something like that. Right. So there's some like tertiary goals, but then there's like some hard ones that are typically like volume and how much we want to spend to hit that volume. So I think that with that in mind, a few guiding questions here on like, are you heavy brand? Are you heavy performance are, um, <clears throat> First of all, how big of a stretch goal is that volume number, right? Is that like, nah, that's just like, right. I mean, that's on trajectory really. Uh, or does that number like break? Is it at a break trajectory? Is that a, is that a step growth, right? Is it just normal growth or is it a step growth? Um, how, uh, same, same thing with the efficiency, right? How is that just kind of like normal efficiency trajectory? Like, yeah, as we grow efficiency kind of like goes a little bit down or a little whatever. Um, or is that a step? Is that a step improvement on efficiency? 
Um, okay, so those two now, now that you have those two, okay, what's, what's more important to you, volume or efficiency? All right, let's say you can't get both. Let's say both won't be achievable. What's generally more important to you? Now, I'm aware for every brand that's a sliding scale, you know, but you should kind of in your, like, you should have a sense to say, like, you know, honestly, like the efficiency is more important. Like we can get the efficiency. If we have good efficiency, then we can figure things out, you know, operationally, or we can, you know, if we have to let people go, we can let people go, but we'll, we're good. Um, or, you know, sometimes it'd be like, you know, the volume is more important. My efficiency goal is a big time stretch goal. And, uh, you know, really what I want to do is just drive a lot of growth this year. Um, so what's more important to you, volume or efficiency? Uh, what's more important to you hitting that, like, okay, so whatever's the less important of those two, you know, volume or efficiency, let's say it's volume. What's more important to you, volume or that tertiary goal? You know, hitting your, you switch it, like making sure you're running, diversifying into influencers or diversifying into TikTok, right? Um, so, you know, let's say volume is still more important than that tertiary goal of diversifying. So right now we have efficiency is most important, volume is second most important, and that tertiary goal of diversifying in this situation is uh, is the least important. Okay, what's more important to you, efficiency or brand? Being on brand, what's more important to you? If you're saying, well, being on brand, like, like that's ultimately, then there's a good chance you're skewed toward that direction of like supported heavily toward by retailing, the ultimate thing that you need to do is be recognizable. If you're saying uh, efficiencies, you look, if I have to break brand and be off brand to hit efficient, I want both. Everybody wants both. But if you're like, no, I mean, look, we got to hit the efficiency. That's, that's it. You know, um, that that's a good, that's probably if efficiency is above brand, then you just move it down, right? Okay. Well, what's more important to you, volume or efficient or volume or brand? Well, honestly, I'd rather hit the volume than be on brand or no brand is more important to me than volume. As long as I'm hitting efficiency, I'd rather be on brand than hit the volume. Okay. Volume is more important than brand. What's more important to you, brand or diversifying or brand or whatever that tertiary goal is. Um, so that's like a good way to place how important brand is to you. You know, if it's at the very top, then it's like, yeah, you're way skewed toward the brand people need to be driving your messaging, your creative, your emails, everything. And the, and the performance people need to just be putting their overlays on that, their touches on that wherever possible. If brand is at the bottom or in the middle bottom or whatever, then you're probably way on the other end. And if it's somewhere in the middle, you're in the middle, right? Like then it's like, we gotta, we gotta have a push pull here. We have to maybe be okay with stuff that's a little bit more performance skewed for prospecting, for getting new people in the door. You know, but for all of our retargeting, all of our emails, we want to be a little bit more skewed toward brand or something like that. Yeah, and and you're perfectly building a bridge to my next uh, bullet point here. Uh, we've done a lot of talking like in a silo about these different initiatives, whether it's, you know, getting your brand messaging out there, get going brand heavy or being performance driven, uh, keeping the lights on or just growing in general, um, it, like growing the metrics of the business, I suppose. Um, but this next bullet point, it might be might be a tough one, but you brought up this like sliding scale. And I think that might be a good kind of uh, playground to talk about this one in. Uh, and it's how to strike a happy medium. So I'll, I'll kind of go ahead and just just start off a little bit here and say, I think one, one key point to, to striking any kind of medium without becoming super polarized one way or the other, is I think it's probably very helpful to not put this all on one person. 
to decide on the balance here. I think you need yeah. both sides represented in discussion about the brand, whether or not they're both internal people, like kind of the, the scenario I, I tried to lay out earlier, or you do have an agency who is more uh, performance driven and that's how, that's yeah. how they're aligned. Uh, so they're clearly thinking about that and you have like an internal brand uh, team that's thinking more about, you know, the branding and how things look and everything's just so, and you got those brand champions over there. I think you need those, you need those, those, those views represented at the table. You can't really strike a happy balance if it's one person just trying to teeter totter on their own. Cause otherwise, how do you, how do you get any sense of reference where you are, any reference points where you actually are? I mean, you asked some good questions there about trying to figure out kind of where you are on that spectrum on that sliding scale. But at the end of the day, you can, you can always fool yourself. Right. Yeah. But when you have multiple people, representing different viewpoints you know and it can get uncomfortable sometimes but still i think that's that's a key point to having that that scale well you know who should probably answer all of the questions that i i just said first of all would be like ceo or leader of the business uh performance person brand person and then like a cfo like a finance person because the finance person is be like, I, I just want the numbers to be nice. You know, like, like CEO might be more on that brand person's side, finance person more, might be more on that. Uh, but like, if we can actually like, if all of them line up really, then it's kind of like, oh yeah, I mean, then we're pretty sure, pretty, pretty secure in what our priorities are. But once you have your priorities, right. And you know, which area of the sliding scale you're operating within, I think that <clears throat> you're actually asking like a higher level question of like, this isn't like marketing tactic tactics. This is just like, I don't know. I want to be like woo woo here, but this is kind of like internal company culture and management. Mm -hmm. So I think a couple of things here. I think first of all, uh, so you need these two people, these two sides of the same coin to like be friends, honestly. And uh, they don't need to be like actual friends outside, but you need them to like get along and be working toward the same goal. Collaborate. So how do you, how do you actually, yeah. How do you create a collaborative environment uh, between two people who have like pretty opposite viewpoints, right? Like think about other things in the world. Like how do you create collaborative environments between people who have different political viewpoints, different, uh, I don't know, religious viewpoints, things like that. Um, you have to align them. You have to do one of two things or maybe both. You have to say, you have to align them. You have to point them both toward a mission or give them both a bad guy or both. Mm right go miracle um, on them <laughs> right so so um i think a couple things so i think that uh first of all there's got to be within a company a culture of the the culture has to be right so if the culture is that what is rewarded within your company is being right that's not good right because both of them are going to want to be right or or they're going to want to avoid being wrong if the culture within your company is avoidance of mistakes uh, it is rewarded, uh, that's not necessarily right. You know, I'm not saying like we want people to go around screwing up all the time, but we want it to be okay to take risks and make mistakes. Um, so, so that's like a couple things, right? Like we, you need the right culture around like, hey, this is your mission, right? Like this is your guys's mission. This is like. You guys are kind of in this together. It's okay to take risks and make mistakes. It's okay to be wrong, right? Um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing is, uh, from a compensation perspective, they should probably be aligned pretty similarly, right? Uh, around the same mission. So like a performance person, 
you know, oftentimes is aligned around like performance metrics. And so they're like, yo, I want to make money. Like, can we get the, can we get some creatives that are a little bit more aggressive here? And the branding person maybe has a salary, a bonus, uh, and they're judged primarily from, by the person who oversees them is like, you know, how good is the stuff that they make and how good is the stuff that their department makes? You know, it's like this subjective thing. Um, so like, and I don't, that's not bad. That's not like a bad thing. There are a lot of jobs in the world like that. So uh, that's, that's misaligned. Then you, how are those people supposed to get along, right? Like how are those pe people supposed to collaborate and like come up with the best thing for your brand, wherever it is on the sliding scale. So they have to be probably a lot like aligned, you know, from a comp compensation perspective, pretty similarly. John, we've been working together too long, man. We have too, uh, too much parallel thinking going on. You jumped right into my last bullet point that I had prepared. Uh, so I'll just kind of do the same thing again here and, 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 and declare what the, the bullet point is and see if you have something else to add to it. Cause you just kind of covered it a little bit there. Uh, but my last bullet point here is how do you align if, if you do go the agency route specifically, um, how can you align an agency's, uh, model to properly incentivize them to hit your goals? What goals are important to you? Like you were just saying, you know, whether it's just revenue uh, whether it is, you know, more branding focused. Um, yeah, like I said, I know you just kind of touched on that, but in case you have anything left in the tank on that, uh, that's the last point I got here. Feel free, man. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many agency pay structures out there. So many different kinds of agencies out there. Um, Which is great because there's a lot of different brand goals out there too. Oh, yeah. So... That said, I mean, trying to focus a little bit on e-commerce, DTC brands, the kinds of brands we look, work with, I mean, most of the agencies that service them have uh, some kind of model that is uh, <clears throat> like a retainer and or performance model. So, uh, you know, it's a retainer performance combination, right? So it might be like, hey, this retainer plus this percentage of spend and blah, blah, blah. Uh, if, you know, if they, they have like, you know, if the way that they stand to like make more money is by like performing better uh, from like a performance like sales perspective and you are a brand that's like all the way on the like brand first end of the spectrum, they're probably not super properly aligned. Um, so, I mean, the way that you would align in that kind of scenario is like, you know, maybe, maybe based on overall sales across all retail and everything, maybe based on overall online sales, maybe based on something even like, uh, like customer acquisition costs, right? Like acquiring a new customer is super valuable to us. So, um, you know, maybe something like that. So it's still a little bit of a performance metric to them. Uh, or maybe it's based on, maybe it's just, you enter into longer, bigger contracts with them or pay them to do more things for you. Right. Uh, like if they're doing stuff that takes workload off of your team and makes it so you have to hire fewer people, you know, they're aligned properly to do that. Um, or, you know, they're just you, you're like, hey, I'm, you know, maybe not. I'm the, maybe I'm not the biggest performance client you have, but I'm willing to sign, you know, a good like long contract with you so that I'm a secure revenue for you for a while. That's, you know, helpful for them. So. Uh, that's probably like the alignment on that side. And on the other side, I mean, it's easy to speak to two both ends of the spectrum on the other side, then yeah. I mean, like, uh, don't cap, especially like let's, we just hit Q4, right? Like 
during Black Friday, Cyber Monday, why, if you're like pure performance and that's like your biggest time of year and that's when you're doing your most sales and your most profit, profit, why would you want the people who are like driving all those sales and profit to be capped and like just aligned to go, oh, we hit our cap, like we're out. Not that they're probably going to do that. Like they want to keep working with you, but like they're not going to be as on it, right? Or, or maybe they won't, you know, maybe they will, but like don't cap them. Don't like create, if it's performance-based, like create a, you win, if we win type of upside, and then don't be mad when you, you guys both win and you send them a big check, right? Like that's the model you created was a, you win, if we win. So um, yeah, that's, that's probably like the two ends of the spectrum, I'd say. Yeah. I think that's a nice, like pretty like advanced view on it. I think uh, as far as people I know, you've got a, a very healthy amount of experience with all different kinds of structure and and having to, to create structure for deals uh, with clients and all those types of struggles that come with uh, that agency client uh, relationship. Uh, it's not all struggles. It's lots, lots of sunshine and rainbows along the way too, but, uh, but making that deal work for everybody is, is sometimes a fine dance you got to do. Um, so I think that's, that's a lot of good stuff you're saying. I, I don't have any other bullet points, man. Do you want do you want to load up here? I'm, I'm, we're, we're coming in on the turn of the year, a little peek behind the curtain to, to the Modern Commerce subscribers. We actually, at the recording of this, this episode, we don't know whether this will actually air at the very end of the year or the very beginning of 2022. Uh, but regardless, people should be thinking about their goals for 2022 by this point if they haven't started already. Uh, so I'm buying you time to, to load up for that parting shot. What should people be thinking about? How else tie up any loose ends for this topic that we're talking about? I think it was a great topic. I'm glad we had this this time to chat about this, dude. I'm glad uh, glad we came up with this one because it, it's uh, it's something that we talk about quite a bit. This kind of relationship and and uh, we're we're finally letting the the modern commerce audience know a little bit about it. So yeah, go ahead. Without further ado, John, take us away. Yeah. Um. Okay. So let's talk about like maybe some goals that I think are like. Or, or thought processes around goals that I think are maybe like underrated for D for e-commerce brands. Um, so like, I think a lot of times, so, so first of all, under what one that's underrated is like actually like putting thought into, into your goals in a way where you like maybe ask the people who are going to end up being responsible for hitting those goals. Um, which is like, that sounds pretty obvious to do, but it's shocking how often like, you know, brand owner, CEO, whoever, um, even the marketing team sometimes is like, Hey, you know what? The goal is 22 million in 2022. Like, cause it sounds cool. You know? Um, cause we don't know how much, to, like, how do we, we don't know how much we can do. Um, I've been part of a lot of companies who've set goals like this. Like, you know what? Like, let's set a difficult goal. We have no how, right? Like we've not talked about how at all. A goal without some sort of semblance or some like, okay, you know what, if we were to do this and this, like it, without some roadmap of like how that goal is possible or, you know, whether that goal is possible, that's just a vision, right? A vision's great, but that's just like, a, it, it's just like in the ethos. Hang on a second. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> yeah. So that's just like in the ethos, right? Like it's just, it's just a vision. It's not, you know, it's not really a goal yet. Like what is it? specific measurable like yeah is it achievable how do you know you know is it real like is it realistic you don't know like you don't know any of those things so that's number one is like you need to have if you're actually going to set it as a goal for the year like have 
at least a loose roadmap of, of how that could happen and how that's possible. Um, and then underrated as well is focusing in on like the things that actually create real, like focusing in a lot of people, I think focused in their goals on like the fuel for the fire. Right. So they're like, uh, even if they do that, how exercise, they're like, we want to do 22 million in 2020, uh, which means we're going to try and spend about, you know, we're going to try and raise our spend from 5 million in 2021 to 10 million in 2022, you know, at a 2.2 MER. So great, aggressive MER, whatever, uh, to 10 million in 2022. Well, it's like, okay, well, how you, I mean, that's like a big focus on like the fuel for the fire, right? Like your media spend. So a lot of people do that with their goals is they like focus on the fuel, their goals are, their, their growth goals are highly dependent on the fuel elements like media spend or like, you know, affiliates or getting into retail, like the, the things that like fuel the fire as opposed to like, in that example, you know, maybe if you focused in on like lifetime value, like increasing your customer lifetime value, or if you focused in on, uh, increasing your average order value. If you focused in on like, if you actually like focused in on those things a little bit more as your how, then like you might be able to say like, okay, well, we want to hit 22 million in 2022. We're willing to spend up to $10 million uh, to do it, but it's not going to be, you know, fully like on that. Uh, Or or we want to hit, you know, we're going to go from 5 million to 8 million in 2022, uh, because that's more realistic, you know, or 5 million to 7 million in 2022, because that's more realistic. Um, And our goal is going to be 16 or 17 million, because if we don't just focus in on the fuel and we actually focus in on how could we improve LTV, how could we improve AOV, now we become much more realistic about what's actually possible than we do when we're just thinking about like, well, I don't know, just buy media butter, like use the new ROAS cheat codes or whatever. so, yeah, I mean, I think that's like my, maybe my agency rant, I don't know. Uh, but I think that's like a big thing with goal setting for e-commerce brands is they don't really like think through why or how whatever they're thinking is possible, right? Like they don't think through how much retention revenue do we, are we realistically going to drive? How much uh, revenue from existing customers are we realistically going to drive? How much organic traffic are we realistically going to get? Um, what is actually realistic on the paid side? Like maybe we should ask those people. Uh, if, if what we're thinking is realistic or if it's like, no, you're in la la land. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think those, that's, that's it. I don't know if that's like a great parting shot. It's like not as inspirational to come up with goals like that. It's way more fun to be like 22 million in 2022, but it's not the best way because you don't even know if that's possible. That's a hefty parting shot. If I've ever heard one, lots to think about there, John. Thank you for joining me on this episode, Modern Commerce. Thank you for joining us. If you've made it this far, please remember to like, comment, subscribe, and hit that bell icon for notifications about whenever we drop a new video on our channel. Happy New Year, and until next time, we'll see you.